We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome to the Advanced Sports Analytics Show here on Roto Grinders, brought to you by Jock Market. Stop throwing your money away. It's time to check out Jock Market, the app where daily fantasy becomes a stock exchange. Buy and sell shares of players in real time for real money. Download now for a 100% deposit match up to $50 using the promo code GRINDERS. And a guess this, if you don't turn a profit this week, Jock Market is running back their first market guarantee to cover your losses this week. So download Jock Market in the app or play stores or check out jockmarket.com. That's J-O-C-K-M-K-T.com. And use the code GRINDERS for a 100% deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me there on Twitter, joined by the man behind the numbers, the models, the dials, the, the hamster wheels at uh, Advanced Sports Analytics, Stuart Gibson running. Uh, this is a this is like, like kind of a quick week. It feels like, you know, we have Thanksgiving. You know, we have that three game slate and a lot of people focus on that three game slate. And it's like a quick turnaround to, OK, we got 10 games on Sunday. And uh, I want to say it's kind of a weird one for this season. We have 10 games and no team is favored by more than a touchdown. In fact, most are within three points and no team has an implied team total over 28. So would you consider just from an overall view of this slate that would that mean that would make more teams 
viable as far as to come in as the top stack on the slate? Or is it still just very similar to other weeks, just maybe a little bit, you know, kind of cut off at the the top and low ends? Because uh, I could see a lot of options this week. Yeah, we're, we're getting a handful of teams that are coming in as positive RRI. No, no, any one team standing out as like just a massive kind of clear cut, uh, I guess, good uh, team to target with regards to ownership, ceiling, correlation, et cetera. Um, yeah, I think it's an interesting spot for this because, you know, looking at ownership, it actually looks like we're going to see, uh, as we're like last week, we weren't really projecting uh, huge ownership for any kind of one specific stack or player. I guess it converged that way a little bit with, um, you know, some running backs and receivers getting rolled out late in the week. But looks like this week we are seeing a handful of guys that are going to project for uh, pretty strong ownership and uh, think it is a, a good week to kind of be diversified, feel comfortable being a bit under on some of these uh super popular guys, not so much nixing them completely from your player pool. And um, yeah, so seeking so to get exposure from, I think, uh, well, there is one game that's kind of standing out from a total standpoint. Uh, I, I, there are kind of a handful of games in this compelling, like 44 to, you know, 49 type range. And uh, does feel like a week where there's probably half a dozen games or so that have a realistic chance at being one of the uh, kind of, uh, teams that you know an optimal lineup would come through uh so so i think my inclination just looking at it now and like you said it is a pretty quick turnaround like uh you know crazy uh double hamster wheel type week you know you got thursday and the sunday stuff uh going but uh yeah as we get towards sunday i'm expecting to uh seek out pretty even exposure and kind of balanced across uh a number Number of teams, none of which feel like uh, slam dunk kind of uh, comfortable spots, but many of whom feel like they they have a real chance at uh, you know being part of a tournament winning uh, stack. Do you think that with a lot of the games, with most of the games, if not all of the games, I mean the largest spread is the Patriots versus the Titans, and that's primarily due to how many players are out for the Titans. Uh, because the spreads are closer, one would think that it makes it more likely that when you do build a lineup, you'd prefer to build the game stack rather than the team stack. Like I'm going to run it back. Like these games are more likely to be competitive, but uh, it's also a week where no one individual team total stands out that, that much dramatically than others with 10 games on the slate. Do you think that if you, if you had to choose between one strategy over the other as far as construction goes if you had to choose obviously there are ways to build lineups of all different types of constructions i think people will more likely build the the game stacks and not necessarily focus on the teams because no none of the teams kind of stand out but isn't your goal in dfs is to capture the one outlier event that Maybe one of these games that are, you know, two and a half, three point spread, you know, one team just goes out and destroys the other 42 to three. It's the less likely occurrence. But is that one way to limit the amount of things that you have to get right and not end up with, you know, we, we always see those those uh, those lineups where, you know, you play the Bills 
right? And then you run it back with someone from the other team. It's like, oh, if I just would have played four Bills, like the, the guy, anyone on the other side of the game only scored like seven points. Do you think people are going to fall? I don't want to say fall into the trap, but do you think that just because the most of these games are close, quote unquote, that doesn't necessarily make it that, you know, oh, you should be game stacking with members of both sides of the game. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess my inclination would be to let the spread dictate how, you know, uh, I guess necessary, not necessary, but how comfortable I am with with the bring back. And like you said, with so many of these games fairly close, um, I think my inclination would be to seek to bring uh, a player back from the opposite side. And especially especially with these game totals relatively low in general, um, obviously a handful of them are, are going to go over. Or, I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe they all kind of achieve or, or fail to achieve uh total, but just distribute, you know, for on a, on a kind of distribution of probabilities, you would expect that at least a couple of these are going to kind of go over and shoot out. Um, and I guess uh, for, for that to happen, my, my sense would be that uh, both teams are kind of pushing one another uh, just given how, how close the spread is. Uh, so uh, my, my, I think sense would be to try to bring back here in, in most spots. Um, that, 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 that would be my lean. I think my, my uh, kind of uh, departing from bring, bring back a player is usually with these games that have like really high totals or, uh, or sorry, really high spreads or just un, un, super unbalanced sides. Uh, but it feels like most of the games here on this slate are pretty project to be pretty tight. Right. My, my thinking behind this on the other end of the spectrum is that with no team that has that high of an implied team total, like ridiculous. I mean, yes, we have the, the Bucks. We'll talk about that game, with them 28 implied team total is that there's 10 games on the slate. Maybe none of them go over. Like, I, I mean, significantly enough. I'm not talking about, like, oh, the, team, the, the game that was 47 won 49 points. And that's an over. I'm talking about go significantly over that it's more important to grab like the three or four guy, the one-offs that are the ceiling outcomes than the one game that goes off. Because when, when we have like, when we have four games that have like 52 plus totals, it's like, well, I'll just stack one of these games. And most likely those ceiling scores are coming from these games. But when we have like, we only have one game over 50 and most of them are sitting around 45 to 48 type of range. Like, isn't the opportunity cost of stacking a game that, you know, if it goes uh, 28 to 24, like maybe you only get one or two ceiling outcomes out of players from that game. And it's more it's more valuable to be spread out, like from a one offs perspective, because it, there's so many games to target. And that's not because they're all good games to target is that there's no there's not as many standout games where you could just pinpoint like this is where ceilings will come from. We may get one ceiling result out of a 42 total game we may get one out of a 47 total game and as long as like, like the more that you run back your lineups that means you're occupying slots that those one-offs could entail i'm not i, I mean i'm asking this question not saying that there's a correct answer like there, yeah. there, there is no correct answer just uh, i think the overall narrative it makes sense in your head from from uh from a from intuitive how the game is played like how football is played oh they're all close games so I'm just going to do all run back. So like all, like always run, run it back because it should be close. 
And it's like, well, what happens if it isn't? What happens if certain games aren't close? And since they are close, who's, who says the underdog is the one that blows out the favorite? I mean, like, like because it's close, actually, it's higher variance. Because the team, like, you could take a look and you go, oh, Chargers, Broncos. It's like, oh, I'm going to stack. Like, who says the Broncos just don't go out and win 35 to 10? And, like, it's, a, it's supposed to be a close game, but maybe you play three Broncos and no Chargers. Or, or you play a one-off from one game and a one-off from the other game. And, like, I just see that when everything is more even, I think the field assumes that, oh, okay, now I could just, I could stack. Like, I, I want, instead of playing three game stacks, I'm going to play seven game stacks. Instead of thinking of like, instead of thinking in game stacks, say I'm going to play five teams and then have one-offs from like every game on the slate. So it's like, as long as I get those five teams, right. Even if there's a run back that has like 24 points, I I've mixed in all these, all of these one-offs from everywhere else that they may end up in my lineups anyway. So I just, like, I think that the field is going to maybe slightly overreact and say, well, I'm just going to, if I, if I play, uh, if I play the the Rams, I got to play Devontae Adams in that lineup, you know, instead of like, well, who says some other 7K, 8K receiver isn't good in another game. And he's the only one that goes off. And it's like, like now you're pigeonholing yourself because the games are quote unquote close. Like I take a look at, and we'll talk about it, that Rams Packers game. And to me, I view that as the least appealing game on the entire slate. And I think some people may what like if you're going to play that game, they're going to start stacking and then you basically lose, use all their money. And it's like maybe you're just better off just taking one offs in that game. And once you start thinking like that, like all the games kind of look, a lot of the games look like that of, well, if I do stack this game, I'm like overspending for what is a 46 total or something or 47 or 48 total. But maybe it's better off to have a one-off Mike Evans, a one-off Debo Samuel. So that that's kind of the argument that I'm making, where there's there's no right or wrong. It's yeah. just more of like, like I don't I don't think this is the type of slide. I don't think any slate is plug it in, always run back with with like it's never like that. But I think people will be more inclined to do it on this slate than others. Yeah. I will say, like to me, the uh kind of avoiding large uh, large exposure to large exposure to uncorrelated one-offs is f- like more viable on slates where there are teams that you can rule out. Cause you know, if you do want to take like a kind of um, less game stack, more kind of one-off pick and choose approach, right? Like you, you naturally are going to have to select from the players that are within play and those kind of are, are a function of what teams are within play. And in some weeks, like there are just so many games that we, not so many, but a handful of games that we can kind of just feel comfortable ruling out um, more or less. And I do think in this week in particular, there there are very few games that to me just seem kind of completely out of play. Um, and, you know, w- with that in mind, like I, I, I do think if if I am going to take like a very kind of one-off focused or kind of secondary bring back no game stack uh, type approach, um, I am uh, going to you know running running the risk of being a bit spread out across um, all these all these possible games. And fortunately, it is like a small slate, so you might not get spread out too much. But um, you know, it is something something to keep in mind. 
Well, the, the, the top game on the slate, probably going to be the most owned game on the slate, highest total. It opened at 51 and a half. It's now up to 53. It is the uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the Colts at home inside the dome. Uh, Brady, uh, Brady and the Col- and Brady and the Buccaneers have a 28 implied team total. Colts 25 implied team total. Uh, we got, uh, I mean, we have Godwin at 7K on DraftKings, maybe the highest owned wide receiver on the slate. Uh, Jonathan Taylor coming off a monster game. He's up to 9,100 against arguably one of the best rushing defenses in the league. Of course, that didn't stop Jonathan Taylor scoring five touchdowns against the Bills, who are one of the top rushing defenses in the league. But I still don't expect Taylor to be that owned. Uh, Pittman at 5,600 is going to get some ownership. I I see a lot of Brady plus Godwin plus Pittman type lineups. Brady, Godwin... Gronk, right? Pittman type lineups. Maybe some ownership on Fournette. Uh, obviously, you mix in Mike Evans there. To me, Mike Evans at seventy two hundred versus Godwin at seven thousand. Like we have currently have. I'm, I mean, we we don't have updated ownership for all of the news that happened today on Friday. But as of this morning, Godwin twenty nine percent and Evans at four percent. Like those 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 dramatic splits are always. Like Godwin is the better projected play, but it should never be a six to one difference in ownership. So I don't think Evans is going to end up being 4% on anyway. I think the split's going to be more like Godwin 25, Evans 12, which still is too wide in my opinion, but at least not like six to one wide. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to, I think a lot of people are going to start. This is going to be the top game stack. Most owned game stack is the weird thing about this is that outside of like playing Evans instead of Godwin, like how do you play the stack differently? Like if, if you're playing, if you're playing a Brady or a Wentz team, like do you trust that? Who else would you be in your stack other than Pittman? Right. Who else would be? I mean, I mean, the, the John, the Taylor's a hefty price at 9,100, but I guess you could do it. Uh, to me, to me, I almost feel like I'd rather fade the Bucks. I I'd almost only because of how they could spread the ball around. I know Antonio Brown is out, but you have God when you get Evans and you have those t- the tight ends, which is not just Gronk. They got Braden Howard there. Tyler Johnson will mix in. Scotty Miller may be back. He'll mix in. And Brady has no problem throwing to anyone. So the Buccaneers could put up 35 points. Brady could still have a good game. Fournette could have two rushing touchdowns. And you're sitting there with Brady throwing 280 and three touchdowns. And all three touchdowns go to three different people. And like the high scoring wide receiver has like 18 points. And you're sitting there going, was, was it worth it? And with the ownership that the Buccaneers are going to have, does, does, it, does that, does that kind of make sense that, that stacking this, I, I'd almost rather not play anyone from the game if I'm going to fade it. Rather, and then if I'm going to play someone from the game, I'd, I'd rather. It's one of those games where, if the game, if, if the Bucks do well, the Colts probably do well also. Like in that scenario, that they put up two or three touchdowns. But if the ball is spread out enough, especially both these teams, you got Pascal, you got the tight ends on the Colts. It just seems. It just seems like the field may not. 
acknowledge how spread out these offenses could be at times. And with all this ownership getting concentrated to Godwin and Pittman, it doesn't mean I want to play Zach Pascal. doesn't mean I want to play Cameron Braid or anything like that. But maybe this is, that's how the way, that's how the game gets to a 53 total. But from a DFS perspective, just it's spread out enough that the game kind of fails as a game stack because, because it's all spread out. Yeah, I um, we, we've got positive scores for both these teams. Actually, pretty strong score for Indianapolis. We have Indy stacks appearing in the top uh, 1% of lineups at a 1.76% uh, you know, rate, which... What do those stacks look like? I mean, what it would be Wentz, Pittman, what? I mean, what? Yeah, so like Wentz, Pittman, Moali Cox, um, Naheem Hines, Pascal, just I guess sprinklings of these guys that that don't project well but are very cheap and essentially a touchdown um, for many of these guys. Uh, and Hines, I guess he doesn't really have much rushing touchdown equity at this point. They're using Taylor almost exclusively at the goal line, but um, yeah, receiving touchdown for many of these guys, uh, you know, could vault them into uh, tournament winning contention. Um, probably more like medium sized tournaments. Uh, you know, I don't know that they, they have quite kind of the raw upside needed for uh, for like a, a large field tournament, but small to medium uh, tournaments, which is what for, for what it's worth. Like that's what we're simulating on. We're simulating on a uh, 12,000 person tournament as opposed to like the massive, uh, Millie makers. Um, and then, you know, I think also single stacks are relevant, you know, uh, Wentz, Wentz Pittman. And, uh, you know, if you have Pittman probably avoiding like another high ownership guy like Godwin, but I think, uh, you know, Evans makes a ton of sense, um, as kind of the lower projected, but lower, lower ownership play. Um, so yeah, I think that that's kind of what those, um, those positive stacks, uh, might look like. And the running backs are a natural negative correlation to the ownership of those stacks. Like if Taylor and Fournette or and or Fournette have big games, it's 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 almost definitely coming out of the the, the ceilings of the higher owned players, right? If Taylor has three touchdowns, you know Pittman's Pittman's not going to have a snowflake. And I, I much rather play Fournette because Fournette catches balls out of the backfield. So I think his ceiling, I mean, obviously Taylor does also, but he's 9,100 for crying out loud. Uh, so I could see myself on DraftKings playing a lot of Fournette and less of Godwin and just playing them as standalones. Just go, maybe the running backs get there. Leonard Fournette has 100 yards rushing, two touchdowns. That'll take away from Brady. That'll take away from Godwin, Gronk, Evans, all those guys. I almost feel it almost feels like I'd rather play Fournette as a one-off than play Godwin as a one-off. I feel it feels like like at his ownership that he's probably going to be the most high-owned wide receiver. That we have plenty we have plenty of guys in his his price range. That why do I want to play a twenty-five to thirty percent off one one-off seven K wide receiver in a game that I believe the other players in the game are much more correlated to each other. Yeah. Would you feel comfortable with like a Fournette uh, Pittman bring back? I guess, I guess. Well, obviously I mean, Pittman's Fournette... owned also. I mean, like, yeah, like that's the, but... that the problem in this game is that the two best pieces are both high owned. It's not like, it's not one of these games where one guy is high owned and then the, the, the other side of the game kind of is even ownership, right? You get like, okay, well, this guy's going to be 15% owned. This guy's going to be 13% owned. This guy's going to be 10% owned. It's kind of like, 
Nope. Godwin Pittman. That's what people would like. If you're going to run it back with anyone on the Colts, it's going to be Pittman. Right. Like, yeah. So like, so how, so how do I end up, if I play Fournette, all I'm doing is, is, well, I'm just adding a high on player with Pittman. It's like, I could have just played Godwin as a one-off at that point. Right. Yeah. But I don't expect Fournette to be quite the same ownership kind of relative to his positional group as Godwin. Yeah, right? but my, my, my attitude is that if Pittman hits the ceiling, the game is more likely to be shooting out more, which gives the ceiling to Godwin, which I don't have in my line. Like the whole point of rostering the running backs is that, that the running backs suck the life out of the game. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, I, I guess my feeling with like Fournette, you know, just given the pass game role that he has, like I, I, I could see him getting uh, value without like, yeah, grinding, grinding out the game, you know, slowing down the game in a massive way. Um, you know, if he kind of just vultures touchdowns at the goal line and is productive in the pass game role. Um, guess, no, an, guess I, I mean, I, I'm not against it. I'm just saying that the whole purpose of me uh, of rostering a running back in this game is to fade the like to play the game while fading the game. But I mean, it's obvious that the best pairing is Godwood and Pittman and playing the, one of the, the quarterbacks in the game. I, I mean, I, we're not, we're not saying that that projected wise, that is, that is the best thing to do, but, but our, our goal in GPP is not to play the highest projected projected lineups. It's to play the most profitable lineups. And I, I think that on the current ownership, I think this game is going to be overall. Got it. Yeah. I I'm inclined to agree with you. I think, um, like I said, getting positive scores from us, but it is going to be yeah, very, very high ownership because it's just yeah, so clearly kind of the, the highest total game. Um, okay, so other games on the slate, what would you what other games on this 10 game slate would you consider to be a plus? Meaning that you you believe that the game stack is above expectation compared to its ownership. Yeah, so I have uh one game with with both teams showing up as pretty good positive scores. That's uh, Philadelphia at the Giants. Um, just one of these middling total games. You know, there's kind of a, a half dozen or so in kind of the 44 to 46 range. Um, the the Eagles kind of skew run heavy, so it's not like a um, conventionally great spot where like I kind of expect both these teams to be playing. Uh, super, super fast or anything, but um, we have it, we have it scoring as kind of a positive expectation spot. Um, both quarterbacks have uh, rushing upside, which I think is always kind of uh, a nice plus. Um, so that, that's a spot that I'm looking to. I agree with you. This is, this is one of my plus spots also uh, based on Daniel Jones last game. I think people are going to definitely stay away from him. Uh, we got a bunch of injuries on the Giants side. Every week with the Giants, there's always like two guys injured, and it's always two different guys. So we've got news today that uh, that Shepard is out. Uh, Tony is is doubtful. Uh, Barkley is questionable. But what this does is just it just eliminates players that you have to play with this. I prefer the Giant side of this. I prefer Jones, Galladay, Engram or Slayton, something like that. Uh, you could also pair Jones with Barkley. Barkley's cheap enough. He's 6,300. He will cast catch balls out of the backfield if he does play. He's questionable. And then you run it back with either Sanders or Goddard, right? You could always, you could, I mean, Rager should be back. So that'll take away some, you know, 
like Quez Watkins and Devonta Smith. I mean, I think Devonta Smith is overpriced at 6,400, but he definitely has a ceiling. So I, I have no problem playing him. But I, I think Goddard should be one of what on DraftKings is going to be one of the higher owned tight ends. But I really don't care about tight end ownership. Uh, but he's more likely going to be owned as a solo one off. Like, it's not like, oh, well, Goddard's going to be owned. That means all these other guys are going to be like, no, just people playing a one off tight end. So by playing Barkley opposite or Galladay opposite Goddard, it like mitigates that ownership a little bit. But yeah, but understand though, uh, Stewart, I view this game as as a high variance game as far as pace is concerned. But those typically the ones that I'm looking to target where this game could be uh, mistake prone teams, short fields, and, and, you know, someone makes a mistake and it's a 70 yard touchdown. This game could also be like the, the, the Eagles running the ball 70% of the time with a lead and the game grinds to nothing. Daniel Jones, it's three and out, three and out, interception, fumble. And the game is like, you know, Philadelphia, the Eagles win 27 to 10, or not even, 17 to 10, and no one gets there. But compared to its ownership, I, I, I'm more likely to take a shot that, that maybe these two teams do play well enough and efficiently enough and not as slow-paced on the Eagle side that, that it does go over. Yeah, I think for, for me, kind of the perfect scenario for the game is uh, Barkley doesn't play. The Giants still get out to an early lead. But because uh, yeah, I, I think really the, the Eagle side is concerning. They, they can be really run heavy at times. And uh, I, I think the, the floor kind of outcome for this game is probably tied more to a Eagles victory than it is to a Giants victory. Um, naturally, I, I tend to like, except for, you know, teams like Tampa Bay, Buffalo, and Kansas City. Like, I think teams playing from behind can be good. Uh, but, you know, I could see circumstances where if Barkley's out, the Giants still might skew more pass-heavy, uh, even if they're ahead, just given kind of the personnel they have. Um, so, so that injury will be something to keep an eye on. Um, it, it's interesting. Like, usually we have kind of a, a handful of teams that we, we, we tag as, like, high-variance games. It feels like like many of these games. Well, I think the ones that I'm quite interested in there, there's really three that I have pegged as like high variance games. I think this is a week where kind of the high variance games are appealing. Um, and I would like to just kind of take a, a shots on a smattering of these games. And okay. So what, what are the, what are the other two? Um, so I have in, in no particular order, but I see Houston jets as high variance and um I see Atlanta, Jacksonville as high variance, and okay, uh, and, and a third being uh, Minnesota and San Francisco. Like I think all four of these games are high variance. There's realistic routes though to to all of them, uh, you know, going over in in meaningful uh, ways. Okay, so uh, would you consider them all to be pluses? Uh, as I look through my stuff, yeah, I mean, I have I have like San Francisco side tagged as a plus. Um, Houston side tagged as a plus, although I think Houston could get uh, a good bit of ownership. I'm seeing, I know you guys have pretty high ownership on Cooks and Tyrod Taylor. Um, yeah, we, we have in this game, just to go over, we'll go it slowly one by one for a little sure. bit. Uh, the, I mean, to me, the, the Jets-Houston game is like, 
is easy. Like Tyrod Taylor, Brandon Cook, Corey Davis is the run back and, and you're done, right? I mean, like maybe you could play Elijah Moore instead. I mean, it's not, I mean, dude, it's the Texans and the Jets. But like you said, it's a high variant spot because it's two crappy teams and they could be crappy in two different ways. Crappy by inefficient offenses or crappy by inefficient defenses, right? So it's like, like this game, when two bad teams face each other, this game could be 38 to 35. It could also be 10 to three, right? I mean, it could be, it could be that. Uh, based on the ownership that I see currently, I'm, I, I, to, me, Brand, to me, Brandon Cooks is one of those guys that you play when he's low owned and you fade when he's high owned. And if Brandon Cooks is getting ownership this week, uh, 20 plus percent, that just automatically makes me go like, I'll just, I'll just X out this game and just, uh, just, just hope two bad teams just don't do much. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have, I'm just looking at our ownership ratios and we have kind of meaningful gaps between Taylor and cooks and ownership. And yeah, I think that makes like a lot of sense. If, if, um, if our simulations had Taylor and cooks at the, the level you guys have, I could see this. Yeah. That being a real big pivot on, um, how this game sims out and um, you know, that, that, you know, that, that, that might change is kind of the week goes on and I have to update tonight for, for injuries anyways. And we'll, we'll see kind of how uh, ownership uh, projections and, and our simulations come out uh, with that game. But yeah, I'm seeing at the levels you guys have, I mean, Taylor is, well, I think one of the top five quarterbacks, top five ownerships at QB and cooks is uh, I remember quite high also probably top like five top or five. so. Yeah. Like that. Um yeah, it's it's like high, you know, we we have typically talked on the show about high variance in kind of a good way. Um, but when you get high amounts of ownership on high variance, uh, you know, it's potentially a good spot to essentially roll the dice on all of that ownership just getting completely busted on variance going the negative way. Um, we, we've mostly talked about being on under owned var- high variance games at the opportunity to get, you know, exposure to kind of the positive uh, variant outcome. Um, so, yeah, I, I can see where, where projected ownership is going to make, I think, a big difference on how you uh, how you view this game. Right. And also with all the news that's coming out even today, possibly tomorrow, like these ownership numbers are going to change somewhat. I mean, like, yeah. like, especially on the short week. I'm not talking about short week for the football teams, but short week for DFS content. Like a lot of people that consume content, like they've consumed stuff for Thanksgiving. There's isn't that like we get a lot of times on a normal week of DFS where people like by on Tuesday are already like kind of anchoring to certain players and certain teams. And then as the week goes on, it's like, you know, kind of that ownership gets a little bit like uh, a little bit encrusted into the into the consciousness. And then stuff happens Friday and Saturday and that kind of moves here. It's It almost feels like on a Friday afternoon. It feels like we're doing the show on like what it would be a Wednesday on a normal week where it's like, I'm not really, we have projected ownership, but I'm not necessarily sure where a lot of the, you know, the, the subjective psychological bias is going to go. Cause, cause most people have been focusing on, on Thanksgiving then on this slate uh, the game that I have to target the highest uh, and it's not going to be an unpopular game, but I think it's going to be, it's going to be, I think it's, as good as Tampa Bay, Indianapolis, but won't be as high owned. Like, so it's still going to be owned. And that's going to be Chargers Broncos. 
playing Justin Herbert plus Allen, Williams, Cook, Eckler. And you could even, I don't know about the Bridgewater side, but I mean, you have cheaper pieces. You have Judy, you have Fant, you have Sutton. They got to spread the ball around. You play Javante Williams, 5,200 at running back. Uh, just that to me, the Chargers side is much more condensed than the Broncos side. So with it being much more condensed, that's where I'm going to stack with two guys. Uh, I mean, Jared Cook, uh, sometimes he gets there and something, sometimes he, but if you're going to stack Herbert, I just, I just think the Herbert stack, people are going to just going to gravitate to Godwin, gravitate to Pittman, play Brady, you know, that type of thing. And while Herbert stands to be one of the, the higher owned quarterbacks, I just, I, I, Keenan Allen will be owned, but I'm not sure about any, anyone else on a team. And I have no problem playing, playing Herbert with Eckler playing Herbert Eckler Williams and not, and without Keenan Allen, and then just rotating in anyone you want on the Denver side. And this is one of those games that I was talking about in the very beginning of the opportunity cost. Is it possible for the Chargers to dent the Broncos to score three or four touchdowns and none of their players get there because it's all spread out. But the Chargers are so much more condensed that maybe I don't have, maybe I have lineups without any Broncos. Maybe I have three Chargers, no Broncos. And it's not because I think the Chargers are going to blow them out. It's just that maybe Judy scores a touchdown and then Cortland Sutton scores a touchdown and Fan scores a touchdown. Melvin Gordon has a touch, like everyone's spread out. And it's like, okay, who's your highest scoring player on the Broncos? It's, uh, it's Cortland Sutton with 16 points. And it's like, which it's doable. Yeah. I mean, I could still be in the winning lineup, but it may not be necessary yet. If the Chargers score four or five touchdowns, like I could identify pretty much who that's going to be. And just like, let me play three of those guys. Yeah. We we've, I, I think it's a very projectable lineup. I mean, I just, I get, I mean, Keenan Allen Herbert is gotta, I mean, it's going to be one of the, the most owned, if not the most owned, QB wide receiver combinations, don't you think? Um, well, that's what do you I, think I'm talking about? Not play. You play Eckler yeah. and Williams. You play Williams and Cook. Like a way, there are ways to play this. Okay. I, I and I I I don't know what I think that that Brady plus Godwin will be higher owned than than Herbert plus Al. It yeah. may not say in our. It may not even say that in our current numbers, but I I, I think I think I think the Tampa Bay Indianapolis game is the highest owned game on the slate. And with people playing Pittman or Godwin, it'll just make more lineups have Brady or Wentz in it more so than people wanting. People don't want to play Keenan Allen, right? People like he's there. Yeah. 7,400. I'm fine with playing Keenan Allen, but people look Keenan Allen and, and Chris Godwin are virtually the same type of receiver. Yeah. People view Godwin as like, well, he's not a low A dot. Like, no, they're, they're the same type of receiver. But people view Keenan Allen as this eight eight yard a dot no touchdown type of receiver. It's like if you go to Godwin, he's a, he's pretty much the same type of receiver. But people want to play him more, and I just think there are more Chargers that are going to be lower owned. Like like I said before, in our ownership with Evans, we currently have his four percent. He's ain't going to be four percent. He's going to be like 12, 12 to fifteen percent. So I don't I I see Keenan Allen's ownership more likely to come down to twenty percent then Godwin's coming down to 20% and Herbert coming down to like 12%. And it's like, I think 
Brady plus Godwin is like 15 plus 28. And Herbert is, Herbert plus Allen is more like, like 12 plus 20, which still makes them, like I said, this, it's not like this game, it's not like the Chargers aren't going to be owned. I just think that that the Chargers stacks are, because of how conde- more condensed that offense is, is more valuable to me than a, than a Tampa offense that Brady could throw four touchdowns to four different people. And like Brady may have a, as high of a score as Herbert. It's just that the, the pass catchers that go along with Herbert also have ceilings while the Brady, while the Bucks guys may not. Yeah, that, um, yeah, that, that makes sense. We we've got, we, we've got a decent score on the Denver side. It, it, they are, uh, I mean, you raised kind of, the, I think the, 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 the strongest point with Denver is that they, they are potentially, you know, spread out now that they got kind of uh, all these guys healthy, you know, Judy back in the mix. Um, I, I am interested, potentially interested though, in uh, the Denver side a little bit, you know, going with uh, Sutton or uh, Judy. I do like Javante Williams uh, a decent bit. Um in general, though, I think this is a game my, my preference would be uh, to be to be under on, just given the numbers that we currently have. Um, I suppose if you are going to kind of go the Los Angeles side, I, I do like the Eckler-Herbert combo. That's been kind of a running back QB combo that I've been playing a good bit this year, and it has uh, it's gotten off to a good start in a few games, but has yet to, at least the, the weeks that I've played it, like really uh, hit in a big way. Um What's your interest in, I, like, I'm just looking kind of at prices and Mike Williams has been on kind of like a uh, escalator up, elevator down as far as uh, pricing goes. Um, you know, it seems like. 5,700, uh, I'll play him. Give it to me. Yeah. I wasn't playing yeah. him at 7,600, but at 5,700, I'll do it. Yeah. Um, earlier this year, I think, you know, people were, were licking their chops at, uh, or would have, would have licked their chops at kind of a, a cheap Mike Williams, but, uh, he, he got priced up pretty quickly, but now he's, uh, fallen back down and, you know, his, his role has been on a, a bit of a decline, but, uh, that, that, that could be, I think a viable spot. Um, you said, you on- said one of the games that you had as a plus I have as a minus is the, the, the Falcons Jaguars game. Okay. Okay. What, what, uh, are, what are your, what are your thoughts on this game? Because like, I don't find, I don't, I don't think it projects well. And I mean, really, do you want to play Matt Ryan and Trevor Lawrence? I mean, like, yeah, I, just, I, I, I guess just, I, I see like the Jaguars is like, yeah, I can understand playing James Robinson. I can understand maybe playing, maybe playing a Jacksonville receiver one off, but to pair these guys together based on the projections that I'm seeing currently, it doesn't, it doesn't stand out as, as, to me, I view the Jaguars as they can throw to eight different people. Why am I taking Trevor Lawrence? And then I look at the Falcons, and all I know that this season is anytime you trust the Falcons, your bankroll disappears. So, like, <laughs> like they don't even project that well either. Like, other than maybe Kyle Pitts, maybe uh, maybe uh, uh, Patterson if he's back, but I never like really playing that guy. Like, yeah. what what do you find so appealing about this game? So I'm looking at like our, our simulation score now and they're showing up super great, but I, I think like Jacksonville is just a defense that, that I like to attack. No, no Ridley. So I think, you know, Atlanta's uh, offense can project to be uh, a bit more condensed around like pits engage. Uh, the, the game has a respectable total. 
Um, you know, I think both both defenses can can be exploitable. Um, so that's kind of what I was looking at. Um, you know, mo- mostly seeing Jacksonville as a, uh, a a defense to to attack, and especially with a uh, more condensed offense than usual. Is it really that condensed? They throw to Zacchaeus, Tajay Sharp. They got multiple running backs. Patterson, because also when Patterson plays, he comes out of anywhere. I mean, like he's a he's a any anywhere position guy. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not big on this game, but I mean, I, I it's it's not going to be high owned. So I mean, I like for the ownership that these guys are going to come in. I taking a shot is I, no problem. I mean, uh, we have Agnew out. So maybe LaVisca Chenault finally does something. But all I know is that anytime you play LaVisca Chenault, uh, you're, he plays yeah, on 98% of the snaps and gets two touches. Yeah. He's, he, he's been painful to, to roster this year. Um, the, the last game that I have as a, a plus, and I kind of want to dig more into to our, our numbers, but uh, the San Francisco side of the, you know, that, that game, um, I think is appealing. Like Minnesota has just very natural bringbacks. I think, uh, what are we scoring Minnesota? We don't have a great score on Minnesota as a side to stack, but, you know, certainly going either one of Jefferson or Thielen as a bringback or, you know, just really strong. Like Minnesota, I think is, is a, is a very compelling team to stack against week in and week out, just given their defense, uh, given the, you know, bringback option of, of Jefferson Thielen. Um you know, San Francisco can always be a bit concerning just given uh, the rate at which they run the ball. Um, but, you know, certainly have talented receivers in Samuel uh, and Kittle. Um, you know, Ayuk's I, role has been expanding a, a decent bit um, in recent weeks. Uh, but but certainly like Kittle, Kittle and Samuel look uh, pretty compelling to me. Uh the price is way up on Debo, so I'm not expecting him to get like a ton, a ton of ownership. Um, but yeah, that, that's a side that I, we, we have pegged actually is uh, pretty strong in our simulations. Right. I, I agree with you on the 49ers side. The problem that I have in this game is that any run back you have is expensive. Like I prefer Thielen over Jefferson, even though obviously Jefferson has the higher ceiling. It's just that once you pair Garoppolo with Garoppolo, Debo, Kittle, well, you're going to run it back with Justin Jefferson, 8,300, then good luck. I'm going to have to look under your couch cushions to find the rest of your salary for your lineup. So, like, it, the, this is one of those games, like I said before, maybe maybe you don't play the Vikings run back at all. You just play the San Francisco sack because of the pricing on the other side. So, like, I'm with you. I'm with you on the 49ers side. And it's not, and the Viking side is going to be low on. I mean, it's not like they're going to be owned. It's just that from a pricing perspective, what is the opportunity cost of rostering Justin Jefferson as a run back in the San Francisco stack, then rostering another $8,300 level player from some other game, I mean, from, from somewhere else that ends up, you know, getting there or whatever. So like, to me, that's, that's the whole, my whole thesis from the beginning is uh, more for games like this and games like, uh, the Rams Packers game. I'm interested to see what you have for this. Cause I have this as, as literally uh, the lowest, lowest ranked game stack of the entire slate. Uh, some ownership is going to go to Adams. Some ownership is going to go to Henderson. Uh, if AJ Dillon, if uh, Aaron Jones is out and AJ Dillon, uh, 
is in. Obviously, he's in if uh, if Jones is out. Uh, he'll be owned. But just from a price perspective, like how how the hell do you stack? Cooper Cup's 9,600. Devontae Adams is 8,600. Uh, I mean, it's going to be one of those things where this, this is, this is going to be the game that gets there. These teams typically, when these teams uh, hit ceilings, it's when the pack, like, the these, these are the applied team totals. Rams, 24.25. Packers, 22.75. Normally, we play the Packers when they have a 28 or 29 team total. We play the Rams when they have a 28 to 30 team total. Now we're paying more for, the, for, for these players. Yes, it's a closer game, but how do you stack this game without play, with essentially playing like half the salary for your lineup into like three or four players? Yeah, we have we have the Packers as the the lowest um, lowest lowest grading out team. So I'm just looking at the the uh, uh, propensity of Green Bay stacks that are appearing in the top one percent. You know, on a fully kind of balanced slate, every team would appear one percent of the time. Uh, obviously things are unbalanced. So any team that appears higher than 1% good, any team lower than 1% bad, we have Packers uh, lineups accounting for 0.58%. So about half of the expected value um, under kind of full efficiency. Uh, Yeah. It's expensive, low total. Um, The the Packers are slow run heavy Rams, good defense. Um, the, the price is preventatively high as kind of a total stack. Um, so yeah, it makes a lot of sense. We, we have the Rams not quite towards the basement, but kind of uh, around like the bottom, bottom uh, third, bottom third percentile. I don't know, not quartile, not, uh, I don't know what a third, whatever, but bottom, bottom 33%, I guess um, uh, of stack. So yeah, with you in that, it uh, just seems like a pretty, pretty unappealing spot uh, for, from a stacking standpoint. Um, certainly, you know, talented teams, there's uh, you know potential for any one of these guys to be viable one-offs, but from a game stack um, yeah, with you on this one as a minus. What, what are your thoughts well, before we get out of here on Carolina Cam Newton may be like, if you're playing cash games this week on DraftKings, he may be the most owned, cash game quarterback because of his rushing upside and he's 5,600. The Panthers are favored, but this is the lowest total game on the entire slate. Uh, Do you you think that our, I mean, we have the ownership of McCaffrey and DJ Moore as fairly high and they do project well, but do you really see the upside? I mean, I, I see the upside on Cam, but do you see it, the upside on can Cam at fifty six hundred plus McCaffrey at nine thousand plus DJ Moore at sixty two hundred all get to a ceiling? It almost seems like any touchdown that gets scored hurts any of the, the other one of the other guys. That you'd rather play Cam naked, or you'd rather play McCaffrey one off, or you'd rather play uh, Moore as the one off and hope Cam doesn't vulture a rushing touchdown either. Right, maybe maybe you could play Cam plus more, but it just seems like at McCaffrey's price, at nine thousand, you'd 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 want a thirty-five plus point ceiling. Cam Newton's in there. I, I, yeah, I guess they both can get there, but not at a forty-two game total. Am I really going to want to play three Panthers in my lineup? Yeah, I, I'm with you. This feels like a preventatively low game total, and um, 
I don't even think you're going to get them at like a huge ownership discount. I don't think like a ton of people are going to go to, you know, Cam McCaffrey more stacks, but I, I think it'll be a lot more uh, than people going to, uh, I don't know, any, any of the, you know, Den- going to like a Denver stack or going to, uh, you know, San- even like a San Francisco or Philadelphia or New York stack, um, really Giants or Jets. Uh, I think like, yeah, I would just rather go with these teams that are going to be lower owned, higher game total. Uh, I think just overall better game environment. So we, we have pretty strong negative grades on, on both Carolina and Miami. Um, not, not this is like, this is probably the only game that I feel comfortable just like fully Xing out um, for, from a stacking, from a stacking standpoint, um, like, uh, you know, considering uh, teams to stack, I just, I don't really want any part of uh, either of these sides for from a stacking uh, standpoint right so you're not going to make uh you're not going to make the super duper newton mccaffrey more gaskin waddle lineup no not not on a 41 game total um i think that's uh and it's like not even at at no ownership you know it'd be like i don't know maybe uh if if kind of total if the total crept up over the course of the weekend and some other games came down and you know you could project you know, a lot of ownership for McCaffrey, but no more, no Newton, uh, no Waddle type ownership. But like, I think these guys are going to get fairly owned. Um, again, you know, could make for fine one-offs. I think, uh, you know, there, there are a few game totals that are incapable of supporting any, uh, you know, fantasy life, but uh, certainly 41 and a half uh, when, when we have a, a pretty much every every game is in like the 44 plus uh range just just doesn't really feel like that can support uh you know full full game stack or even really stacking a, a single side anything else of note on the slate um i got i mean just like pittsburgh is kind of a small minus uh, i don't think they're going to get a ton of ownership that's mostly just going to be like i think it will get a lot of deontay johnson one-offs but i, I can't imagine there will be too much um but i, I mean just like People, re- people really like Cincinnati, and I think, you know, you, you can see people trying to talk themselves into, like, uh, uh, Ben Johnson, bring back one of the receivers type thing. And um, I don't know, Cincinnati is a team that, uh, from a stacking standpoint, I've been under for, for most of the season. Um, I think probably want to continue to be that way. Been under Cincinnati and, and teams that have played them. They just can play really slow and uh, – uh, their receivers like always project well from a median standpoint, but just given their pace, um, you know, uh, it just, just hasn't been like a super fruitful stack, uh, a team to stack uh, so far this year. So people could find out all these stats and, uh, and interesting insights in your, in your sub stack at advanced sports analytics.com. Yeah, correct. Um, follow us on Twitter and that's where we'll be, you know, uh, tweeting out, I guess the links to the stack, uh, whether you're a, subscriber to the Substack or to the site uh either or we'll get you access to that and um yeah we'll, we'll release that tomorrow just have to uh like you said today feels like a wednesday and i think just catching up on kind of the injury news and notes um you know want to want to make sure we kind of have uh the the current state of things heading into the weekend uh for, for our simulations and kind of the uh article that's derived from that so um yeah keep an eye out for that uh sometime tomorrow morning and that's on Twitter at AS Analytics DFS. You can follow Stewart himself, Start Gibson. 
Follow me on Twitter at BlenderHD. And, uh, and feel free to like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. And if you're listening on the Roto-Grinders fantasy football field feed, go to iTunes, rate and review. It's always appreciated. So, uh, so until next time, there's been another edition of the Advanced Sports Analytics Show here on rotogrinders.com. Thank you.